Welcome to the Drive Deeper Podcast, where we gather together on your morning commute to dive deeper into the scripture and give you a word to meditate on the rest of the day so that you can walk closely with the Lord during your busy week. Today we're going to be taking a pause in the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to take some time to reflect on some passages in the Scripture that relate to the season, that relate to Christmas. There's no better time to center our hearts and really reflect on who Jesus is, why he came, how incredible it is that eternal God took on flesh, became a man, dwelt among us, was born in a stable. I mean, all of these things are just incredible. So today we're going to start by going into Matthew chapter 2. Now, by this time in Matthew chapter 2, Jesus has already been born. He's gone from the stable to being inside a house with Mary, his mother, and his guardian, Joseph. And scripture says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men or magi from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So what does it mean that Jesus is born king of the Jews? Well, we need to understand this properly because these wise men didn't just come to bow down before him, didn't just come to give him exceptionally expensive gifts, didn't just come to give him reverence and honor, but came to worship him. Now, if you are a good reader of your Old Testament and of the words of Jesus in the New Testament, you know that you are to worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Nobody else is worthy of your service. Nobody else is worthy of your worship. So for there to be a king born into this world who is worthy of worship, we need to understand who this king is. He is the king of the Jews. Now you might say, well, is he just worthy of the Jews' worship? Is he just a king for these people? Well, if we're reading our Old Testament carefully, there are hints within the promise of the coming Mashiach, the Christ, the coming anointed one, the son of David from his lineage, there are hints that this one would be divine. Now, let's refresh ourselves on the promise that was made to David by God in 2 Samuel 7, specifically verse 16. The Lord promises this to David. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In verse 13, he also says, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So God promises David that one of his descendants would sit upon his throne and rule 
forever. So this child who is born, who the Magi seek out to worship, this is the long-awaited, long-expected son of David who shall rule in righteousness forever. Let's continue on in verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So Herod is a smart man. He was crazy, but he was smart. He knows that while he is by title the king of the Jews, that there has been predicted in the Old Testament scriptures, which the people he rules over fervently believe, that there is one to come who is going to be the true king, who is going to rule in a way that nobody else has. So these men from the east come and tell Herod, hey, he's here, where is he? And Herod says, we've got to find him. Now, the concept of the Christ would have been on their radar because there had been many false messiahs, messianic pretenders who had risen up and tried to lead revolts against Rome already at this point in history. And so Herod searches out help from the people who would know the best, the chief priests and scribes. He asks them, do the scriptures tell you where the Christ, the Messiah, is going to be born. And they do. And so the chief priests and scribes give him this answer from Micah chapter 5 in Bethlehem of Judea. Now what's amazing to me in this passage as well is what is not included from Micah 5. Now I think Matthew is incredibly smart in the way that he is trying to make an appeal, particularly to a Jewish audience, of who this Jesus is. At the beginning of his book, he proclaims him to be the Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. And so he's not mincing words at all. But he's also not giving every detail that he possibly can from the Old Testament, I believe, because he's desiring for the people to put these things together themselves. So the Christ is born. He's worthy of worship. And the Jews might say, well, God alone is worthy of worship and worthy of our service. Why would we worship the Christ? Well, Read Micah 5 closely. The passage that the chief priests and the scribes quote says this. But you, O Bethlehem of Judah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, 
whose coming forth is from of old, from the days of eternity. Did you catch what it said in verse 2? This ruler who is to come forth from Bethlehem, his coming forth is from of old, from the days of eternity, or from ancient days. An eternal being has taken on flesh. The eternal Son of God has become man. God himself has come to rule and shepherd his people. So what do we do with what this text declares to be true about Jesus? What I really want to focus in on is the concept of worship. Jesus, the Messiah, is worthy of my worship. So, if he is worthy of my worship, then he is worthy of all of me. If he is worthy of my worship, then he is worthy of all else and deserving of all else. But am I truly giving him my all? Or am I content to hold on to areas of my life? Am I content to remain the way that I am rather than give myself fully to him and allow him to change and mend and redeem and transform me? You know, over these past couple of days, we've had uh, a challenging few days as a family. There's been sickness going throughout the house and energy levels have been really low and it gave me time to reflect and I just continued to feel like man there's got to be more that I can give and I just continued to reflect on this thought of of this worthy of worship worthy of all thinking like am I really giving all of myself In my best moments, I think so. But how often do those best moments happen? Is that something that truly characterizes my life moment by moment? Am I laying down my life as a sacrifice, as an offering of worship to him constantly? Or are other things getting in the way? What are the other desires creeping in that are stealing my affections? What are the things in this world that I'm allowing to distract me and steal my focus? What are the worries that are taking my heart captive? The fears that are paralyzing me and causing me to doubt rather than trust God? What are the pursuits and even the people in my life that are preventing me from being fully devoted to him alone? What are the desires in my heart that are directing me away from him rather than towards him and down the road which he is desiring me to walk on? 
And as I reflect on these things, I don't have perfect answers. But I know that my heart, though it desires to be fully his, is not always fully in the hands of the king. And so with the remainder of this Advent season, my desire and my goal is to give myself and my heart fully to the king. And that's what I want to call you to do as well. You know, in modern context, Christmas is known as a season of giving and receiving. We spend so much time trying to be intentional and thoughtful in choosing gifts for the people that we love. If you are desiring to give a gift to the Lord this Christmas season, think no further than giving yourself fully to Him. Give Him your obedience. Give Him your focus. Give Him your time. Give Him control of your wallet. Give Him your devotions. Give Him your trust. Lay down your fears at His feet. Release the grip that you have on those areas of your life that you have tried to maintain control of up until this point. And let me tell you what, this will not only be the greatest gift to him, but to others as well. Because it is only when we put God in his proper place and treat him and serve him and love him as he deserves that we can put the people in our life that are number two and number three and the priorities in our life and in the work that we do in proper order. Because if things are stealing our affection and focus from God, then we're going to be failing in many areas of our life. So would you take the time today in this season to examine your heart to see where you have yet to give yourself to him fully and commit to turning from those ways and bowing down in worship by giving yourself fully to him because if he is deserving of your worship then he is deserving of all of you Thank you.